that Germans were always on time. <laughs> Welcome back to It Was Murder, <laughs> the number one art podcast <laughs> in the world. I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. <laughs> oh, I'm your uh, shit. <laughs> I'm your shit. Ellen's speaking backwards <laughs> in honor of this. That gum you like is going. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Um, can we will you edit this? No. Sure. <laughs> no, okay. No. Never no. do. You always say you will. Yeah. I'm full of lies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your devoted lover, Elanito. And I'm the virgin sacrifice, Joe Garber. And it's still spooky season. Mm-hmm. It is. Chain spooky, reaction. Spooky, spooky edition. edition. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us again. We followed Piper Laurie. Oh yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Queen. From yeah. Return to Oz to a weirdly similar <laughs> uh though completely different Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. Season 1, <laughs> episode 8. <laughs> yes. I can't believe it's only been a week. It has only been a week. <laughs> it is. My brain is scrambled. <sighs> Ellen. Yeah. Would you mind telling our listener what happened in Twin Peaks season one, episode eight, in a minute or less? Did you ask me if I minded doing that? <laughs> Sorry, um, what's I going did, on? and I apologize okay, for asking. Okay. He meant to say, Ellen, you are required yes. to. <laughs> okay. You are required. I'm Ed 209 now. <laughs> All right. Um,. Oh, Twin Peaks, I love you so much. I feel <laughs> overwhelmed at the thought of doing this. I don't think it's going to work. I know. I just feel like it's all the episodes are just tied up in a beautiful, messed up bow in my head, but whatever. Okay. Tapestry. Uh, right. So, Twin Peaks, season one, episode eight, the last evening. So, a you know, it's the last episode of the first season, and we all know what that means. Like, a bunch of shit is just coming to, dare I say it, a peak, a fever pitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> things are heating up. So, okay. Um, the thing about Ghostwood, the Mar- the Martells, all of their shit is happening. Okay, wait. The Martells <laughs> have a mill, and it uh, there's a bunch of shady shit going on. Um, <laughs> oh God, I just don't know how to jump into this. It's I really, really don't. It's a challenge that so we have difficult. not faced yet. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I did this to us. Okay. Basically people are trying to buy land for cheap. Other people are trying to burn people's shit down. Other people are murdering their spouses, but we aren't really digging into that. Laura Palmer gets found on the beach on the, the banks of the river by, um, Pete Martell. And then, um, agent Dale Cooper comes to solve uh the mystery (laughs) shit (laughs) the mystery the mystery it's a mystery right okay it is a 100 percent. wow i just completely forgot about why any of that was happening and i guess they don't he they don't find laura palmer in this episode see what i mean it's as no it's like it's really it's like you're describing a minute of a movie yeah it really cannot be Easily detached, no, from the host, no. This but, but I get to try. I'm not going to. 
Well, I'm oh, next. Joe, oh, you, you, are? you yeah. automatically oh, do it perfectly anyway, so uh, yeah, I never worry. I that's just don't worry. true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And surprisingly, <laughs> no one sent us a Minute Max for this. Huh. Gasp. Corey no one J. Brewer. Is... Oh. <laughs> I've, let, I've let the team down even more than usual, I realize. <laughs> but that's okay, because I cannot wait to talk about movies. I know, I know. Me too. Okay, let me get this over with then. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, the Last Evening, Twin Peaks, Season 1, Episode 8. And here we go. Donna and James are in Dr. Jacoby's office snooping around and they find a coconut with some shit and they find a box full of umbrellas and they get a tape with a half of a heart necklace. And then Catherine Martell is begging her estranged husband for help because she needs help because she's fucked. And he takes that as a romantic <laughs> overture and she's like, what a fucking idiot. Um, he doesn't know where the ledgers are for the mill. But uh, Leo does because Leo has them in the house, uh, him or the in the mill. And Hank Jennings, who is helping Leo burn down the mill for insurance money, uh, has put his wife Shelly in there, and she's all tied up, and no one knows about it except for Leo. Then Leo goes home, and Bobby is like, "Hey, Leo, I'm so glad I saw you." And he's like, "Fuck you!" And he hits, gets a space hatchet and tries to kill him. Oh God. <laughs> Um, but then Hank Jennings shoots Leo through the window, and then uh, Dale Cooper is uh, back at the hotel, and he gets shot in the stomach. Wow! Twice. Nice, nice. Yeah, okay. that was That was great. But, yes, <laughs> I okay. I want to say before this Minimax, when we recorded our last episode, I had not seen Twin Peaks. I think I saw like a couple episodes of it. Was not a fan, and now am a mega fan. Yay! I've watched all of it. This is so delightful. I've watched both seasons. So this entire week, I watched both seasons of I think thirty or twenty-seven episodes. No, thirty no. episodes. It's, I'm pretty sure it's twenty-two wait. in the second season and eight in the first season. That's right. So it's twenty. It's thirty episodes of the original season. Of the original show. Original show, yeah. And then there's the movie Firewalk. And I also watched the movie afterwards. And then I've watched, I think, almost half of The Return. We're a third of the way through The Return. A third of the way through The Return. Had you you seen, just before Mm. you unleash a fantastic description of this episode, had you watched Firewalk With Me previously? Yes, and I loved Firewalk With Me. And so it was always so weird for me that I couldn't get into the show. And... People have given me so much shade for never watching Twin Peaks, so mm. I'm glad that I finally have and and am into it. But I tr- I tried the show like three times and just could not. It didn't catch. And mm. so this being like sort of a, an assignment a little bit, I think maybe helped me get started and push past the stuff about it that I didn't like at the beginning, but now love like uh, some things that we'll talk about. But I want to say with, before I do a minute, I'm just. I'm using this as an excuse just to talk about Twin Peaks in general. Episode eight, we will dial in on for sure. We can as much as we don't want. Don't try and control the way I talk about. I it know, <laughs> but I will just don't be. Don't you ever? Don't you? Ever. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about Twin Peaks in general. So there are just like just mega spoilers abound. So don't don't listen to any of this episode before you watch any Twin Peaks. Watch it all because the. The reveals of things are pretty incredible in this show. Anyways, okay. And also, I was just like, 
Oh my God. What is Twin Peaks? I've asked that like multiple times to people and no one can answer that at all ever. So I'm just going to try to what like. What do you mean? It's just like the answers you get from what Twin Peaks is from fans. If you've never seen or watched Twin Peaks before are fucking bizarre. Hey, and just like. Uh, save it for the pod. I know. Okay. Minute max okay. time. Minute max. <laughs> Twin Peaks is the story of Laura Palmer, a troubled uh, home. Uh, what's it called? <laughs> Homecoming queen in high school. She was into cocaine and there was a lot of troubled events going on in the last part of her life. And she is found dead on the shore. And another student, Ronette, Rhonda, Ronette, Ronette. is found Ronette wandering out off across a train bridge. And Dale Cooper, an FBI agent, comes to town and, to solve the mystery of Laura Palmer. And he meets all the town folk and they are all fucking incredible. They're all such crazy <laughs> characters. And the deeper he gets into the mystery, the more occult and spiritual it becomes. And he is uh, an FBI agent willing to embrace the spiritual, much like Fox Mulder. Uh, and so he just dives true. into these paths that he's given and he walks the line and, and finds out what's going on in this town. And he finds that there's a dark spirit in the woods that is causing wreaking havoc on the citizens. The end. Okay. Oh my God. That was. Um, okay. So okay. Ellen, what was your introduction to Twin Peaks? Yeah. Uh, when it came on the TV mm -hmm. in 1990. Did you, were you like on it from the, from jump? Yeah, absolutely. Like you saw trailers for it and were like, this is going to be good. Or knew I David saw Lynch was involved. TV commercials for it. Um, yeah. CBS. Mm -hmm. CBS. Yeah. Um, I was living on the other side of the state at that time. And it was mm -hmm. very much like, much like, I've said the X-Files was for a long time. It was like, you know, what we used to refer to as appointment TV, right? Which yeah. was basically just how TV worked. Um, <laughs> but no, I can remember where I was when I watched the first episode. Mm. Um, it had a big impact on Were me. you in the Great Northern Lodge? <laughs> no, but I have been. I have stayed. At you stayed that. there? I mean, <sighs> everyone does. Right. Well, now I really want to. I never. I have. guess it's weird because I live in Seattle, so it's <laughs> weird that I would stay there. Um, no, but not, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> mm. When did you discover Twin Peaks? I watched the pilot the night that it aired mm. with my parents, mm. and I remember really loving the first half of it, mm. and then getting bored. Oh, really? Um, mm. And I never watched it again after that until I was at a friend's house. This is much later. I was at a friend's house and he turned on a TV and Twin Peaks was on and it was an episode from season two. I want to say it was season two, episode two or three. And something happened in it that scared me so much and in a way that I couldn't explain. Yeah. Because it was like, Nothing scary just happened, and I'm shaking. Like, I'm, I'm totally chilled to the bone mm. from this random moment of a television mm. show. Yeah. And so at that point, I was like, I'm obsessed, and I need to know what's up with this. But I can't just start watching it now. And it's 1990. So what are you going to do? No. You're not going to be able to watch it at all. Like, like, and the only thing that I was able right. to do was rent the pilot again, mm. which, spoiler alert, 
spoils the whole thing. Oh, did uh, you watch the American? No, it was like the a European, whole... like because oh, that was all that was available to because rent. It was the only thing you could rent. He didn't know if mm-hmm. it was going to get picked up, so he made an ending right that yeah. just spoils everything. Which it's yes and no, it spoils everything, but it does like it spoils a lot of stuff. What does it tell you? Is it they find Bob at the end, oh, okay. and and it's really creepy and, and that and he wonderful. was possessing Leland. No, they don't tell you that. Oh, okay, okay. It's a it's a very vague, <laughs> vague mystery solving situation. Yeah, but that was my oh, uh, it it was I think four years later I bought the VHS box set of Twin Peaks. Oh man, from Suncoast Video. Nice, and <laughs> I got the flu one week, uh-huh. and I stayed home and watched the entirety of Twin wow. Peaks. Um, and my dad would come home from work and watch watch it with me and he fucking loved it. Really? It was so fun. Oh. It was such like it's one of the few it's not not too few, but it's one of the few like me and my dad media things. That's awesome. Me and my mom see. have halls and halls of stuff, but this is one of me and my dad, it's like yeah. weirdly all kind of similar too. It's Twin Peaks, Fargo. X Files. Uh, I, I don't know that he's done X Files. Oh. Um, oh really? Yeah. It seems like he would like huh. that. Yeah, we he's uh he, he introduced me to Spike Lee, my white father. Um <laughs> who is who is uh always been and always will be one of my greatest heroes. Yeah. He seems like he would like Twin Peaks. That seems to He fit. really dug it. Like it's I I'm he's, thinking that uh, it was like the quirky the quirky funny stuff he was really digging. Yeah. And then he loves Chinatown, so like I, I'm mm. assuming the mystery really sucked him in, but yeah. I think it was like Lucy and Andy that he was kind of drawn to. Mm. And anytime there's like a random, a random like yokel, uh-huh. my dad, I think he just relates to these people <laughs> because he's, you know, Spokane rural. Uh-huh. Uh, mm. But like, he loves that shit and I, awesome. I love it too. Yeah. That's so funny. Huh. It's got Dale Cooper vibes, George. Coops. Yeah. Well, Coop. Uh, well, I saw the movie Firewalk with me. I think in high school and was fucking terrified. Didn't understand anything that was happening, but still knew something was happening. Much like everything I've ever watched by David Lynch. <laughs> but the way that the show has enriched my viewing of that movie is crazy and just like mind blowing in a way. And that also. The, I watched that movie two days ago or yesterday, and it is so fucking scary still. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. The movie is so much more scary than anything. The show has some very scary moments. Yeah. And I was at home alone this week. Well, you were in Tucson. <laughs> so I was just like in the with office. Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> with my back to the door watching this scary shit. And I kept just like looking back at the door over and over again, which is also just like huh. any sort of like weird shadowy door frame you can see from another room or like there's a light on in a different room mm-hmm. and it's like sometimes you can just see these visions that look like a shot david lynch would do yeah and it's just like that's what's very powerful about his work to me is that he catches these moments that are just so real that it doesn't seem like any other directors really capture that real feeling of horror and dread mm-hmm. and he does that so well in the and yeah, in the show, and especially in the movie. Jesus Christ. That scene where 
she finds Bob searching for her diary. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so fucking terrifying. It's horrifying. I saw, I also saw Firewalk with me before I watched this, the rest of the series. Oh. Um, and I'm glad I did. Like, I don't know why, but I like, I, I love that that's how I experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly, I think it's mainly because I just think Firewalk with me is like a, a nearly perfect film. Like it's so beautiful and it's so scary and it's, yeah, the acting is amazing. And is it Cheryl Lee that yeah. plays Laura Palmer? Holy Cheryl shit. Cheryl Lee is amazing. Her acting in that film is incredible. But every, everybody's great in it. Like, like David Bowie's little moment is so amazing. And yes. Like, yes. Chris Isaac is hilarious. Yes. I, I just, I love all of it. I uh-huh. love, I love everything about it. And then for that, watching it, in the opposite direction like you did i feel like it's beneficial because you have a reverence for the film that doesn't get marred by the datedness of the tv show right and the network the networkness which admittedly is minimal um Mm -hmm. it's surprising that how much he got away with i do wish that i didn't know it was leland the whole time i wonder how i would have experienced the tv show if i didn't know that leland was the person the whole time spoiler alert well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. Just spoil the entire Way to go. Thing. <laughs> yeah. I think we spoiled that already. Right. You're like, well, I've seen it now, so I'll just tell everybody. That I'm telling it's... everybody. Hey, guys. It's, it's <laughs> fucking 30 years old. It's time. <laughs> there's Ooh. Spoiler right. alert. It's 30 has... <laughs> years old. And hello, you're sitting next to a person that hadn't seen it before yeah. last week. Yeah, exactly. So. Oh, but I'm we can't be held going res- in circles. We can't there. be held responsible for spoilers. We got to put a mega spoiler alert on this one for <laughs> Twin Peaks and just. Go watch it, and uh, yeah, definitely watch it. Definitely watch it. Well, well, so when we're talking about the show, just in in the context of when we're all experiencing it um, for the first time and and things related to it, um, for myself, I haven't seen The Return. Oh. Um, so... I don't, and I don't know if I will watch the return. I don't know. I'm often like just really? kind of ambivalent, ambivalent about things like that. Um, I'm not against it. I, I, you know, and I don't like, it's not like that, but it's just kind of like, oh, you know, like I am sated Yeah. Um, I see. with Twin Peaks. So huh. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll check it out. It's at also, some point, I'm sure, but. Well, you just have this nostalgia for Twin Peaks. It's in a place, I'm sure in your spirit that like you don't want to be poked at i feel like right mm, i mean i think like nostalgia is sometimes characterized as in a pejorative sense and so i think i i shrink away from that word in particular but mm. there's many parts about what people mean when they say that right. and i think when you when you what you mean when you say it it's like yeah like i have this this sort of hazy mm-hmm. love for it that is connected to the feelings that i have obviously yes mm-hmm. but um no like i i i don't know i don't know if i'll see it but it's like i don't feel like i'm cheating myself with some sort of weird aversion or anything like that i'm just i'm excited that there's more of a good thing if it is a good thing and and i haven't i didn't even really read like reviews or anything about it it was Mm. like i don't i don't know why but um i want to give the a little bit of just pop cultural context around when it first aired, mm-hmm. particularly for you, Joe, because yes. I think it it's really interesting to think about 
like related to what Eric was pointing out to the fact that it's on network television. Yeah. And that is un- like unusual, but just like a couple quick uh, pop culture facts about, yes, about April April 8th, 1990 and just about 1990 in general. The n- top grossing box office film in America that year was Ghost. Yeah. Oh. Um, wow. The number one rated television show was Cheers. Okay. Uh-huh. It was like uh, Cheers and 60 Minutes were the top two. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I think like fifth or sixth was a different world, the Cosby Show spinoff. Oh, I love a different huh. world. Um, wow. Yeah, and uh, the number one song maybe it was the number one song, but like the one of the top songs in April of that year was um, the song by Taylor Dane that was the big hit, but isn't "Tell It to My Heart." Oh, I, don't I think wanna we're fall in love. Oh, mm-hmm. I think Wait, we're that's alone. Jane Child. That's Jane Child. That's not. Taylor Dane. Oh my God! Ooh, Jane Child. It's not, I think we're alone now. That's not Taylor. That's Dane. T- that's Tiffany. No, that's Tiffany. Tiffany. But uh, anyways, so when you think about those things and kind of like the picture that that paints, and then yes. you think about Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. it's like I mean, there's some crazy shit going starting to go down in 1990 in in like mainstream yes. uh, media, but not necessarily on TV. I. I don't know why I always linked Twin Peaks with picket fences. There's a very, very good reason why you've linked those two. Why? It's because picket fences came out the following season and Mm -hmm. was a direct ripoff of Twin Peaks. Okay. But had no idea what it was ripping off. So it was like, oh, quirky small town stuff. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. quirky small town stuff. No darkness whatsoever. Like it was, it was very, it was attempting to be Blue Velvet, Blue Velvet. Twin Peaks. Yeah. But it had no idea how to do that. But it was like neutered right. version. Very of it. neutered. Okay. Very much neutered. Although that show, <laughs> I think, was technically more successful than Twin Peaks because it lasted an awful lot longer. That's it, true. It's also one of the first tele- network television shows to have a gay character. That's... That wasn't a, <laughs> a joke. That's kind of cool. But what a shame that that. The stole Twi- twin peaks thunder if it did well the really of course <laughs> 1990 is also the year that david lynch's film while at heart came out yeah uh, yes. um so it's kind incredible. of like a weird blend of like i don't know it's it's a strange moment for many yeah, totally. reasons and 1990 of course is also when you know certain types of music are changing everything you know it's, mm-hmm. it was like like a really interesting mm-hmm. moment to yeah. kick off that decade. But um the I realized that I just but I just like jacked up my minute max even more than usual <laughs> because of just the the you know, I always kind of do it. It's like a little bit tongue in cheek to just mess it up. But um what I realized when I was watching this, like very self-conscious about picking the last episode, like a, a uh-huh. season finale episode mm-hmm. of a two season show. I'm like, oh, <laughs> why did I do this like that? Mm. Um, but I felt like you could watch this without all of the previous seven episodes worth of knowledge. And it very much plays out like, like classic, like, thriller moment you know like Mm -hmm. there is some there are criminals there you know are 
teen detectives. There are yes. uh, star-crossed lovers. Uh-huh. There are vengeful, um, you know, cuckolds. Like there <laughs> yeah. uh, are drug runners and and heroic mm. cops and like all Weird the casinos. things. Like it, it just, yeah, it just kind of yeah. had all of these elements that made it like extra delightful and funny to me because I had never considered it as a standalone totally uh, piece before. And I think for myself, and I don't know, pe- maybe people out there, I don't know if anyone is actually like just doing, just following blithely along with us <laughs> and actually just watching this episode on its own. But I was, it was kind of cool to me to like regard it in that way. And it, it made it fun in a, in a totally different way. I think uh, we rewatched that episode after I had, you know, I have not had much time to process the entire series. You know, I finished like now you like have a lifetime to do it. Joe. Now I have a full lifetime and I'm very looking forward. You're going to that. need it. Yeah, I'm gonna, definitely going to need it. But well, coming back to that episode standalone, I think mm-hmm. this the soap opera-ness of it is yes. mm-hmm. very, very strong mm-hmm. and you don't realize what that where that's coming from or what or why so it, it it does feel like way more cheesy if you're just watching one episode by itself and the like whatever any all of the deep things that are happening with each character are gone so it's just like yeah like the teen detective story mm-hmm. is really funny and they're like this D- dr jacoby <laughs> does definitely doesn't make sense out of context <laughs> with his coconut mm-hmm. yeah. with the, the cassette tape and the necklace well and, and like hawaii this, this <laughs> young girl in a, like standing next to a gazebo in his really terrible wig in a wig like, right yeah, well, totally. and, and then, then like somebody just bludgeons you being um, tied up at a at a mill and a fire started with like a egg timer bomb yeah is so, so my my so impression good. of this episode as a standalone is that it's bananas in the in like kind of the best possible <laughs> way it. even when i was it's, watching it in sequence it was it. bananas it's totally bananas it's like, well, the yeah. of yes. shit like that happens it's the last Not episode an accident. it's yeah. the last episode of a short like introductory season of television so like mm-hmm. yeah they have to really make sure that you want to come back to the show mm-hmm. so they're like okay let's just talk about a couple of the things that it ends on like mm-hmm. it ends on a beloved character, Audrey Horn, who is the the daughter <sighs> of the land God. baron. <laughs> yeah, uh, Horn, ben the Horn, Horn mm-hmm. who people. owns the mo- the hotel. The he, owns, he owns the Great Northern, and he is behind the Ghostwood Estates mm-hmm. uh, deal with the Norwegians or Swedish, Icelandic, um, Icelandic. Oh, they're Icelandic. Point. Yeah. So she has gotten herself okay so she's part of the investigation into yeah. like what the fuck is going on in their small little town uh, that all these teenagers are in but she's kind of gone rogue yeah and she has she got herself a job at the perfume counter at uh this the department store she's following laura's path yes mm-hmm. she is she is doing the full the fool's journey mm-hmm. and uh she's got the job that laura had she is now Moved on to One Eye Jacks, which is the uh, just over the border casino <laughs> slash brothel. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. that is of of great legend in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. She gets a job there. We enter on her first night of work, mm-hmm. where she is told by the madam of the house, "You Black- are going to meet Blackie. Yeah. You are going to meet the owner." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Cool." 
Well, no, she's not. But well, she's, she's not like cool. No, but you know, <laughs> essentially she is because she ends up going into this room waiting for the owner. The owner turns out to be her father. Her uh. father. Her father. God walks in, and he, she sees him in a mirror. Yeah, and this is so great. Her. And that's the last bit that we see of of that storyline. Perfect, oh, perfect, perfect ramp up. For like, this mm-hmm. is the perfect kind of cliffhangers. All this this episode is just a cliffhanger oh on multiple God. levels. Yeah, it's terrific. Because at the um, end, Dale Cooper, our hero, the hero. gets shot and <laughs> killed. Yep, basically. twice in the chest and once in the stomach. He's wearing a bulletproof vest though, so he's but, okay. And I love when he wakes up because he's like. Uh, I think Harry or someone fills him in on everything that happened. He's like, how long have I been out? Because, like, <laughs> like the mill burned down. This happened, this yes. happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's just and like that's the next insane episode. Insane list. Yeah. yeah. Which is so great. Which um, also, I will so, say, this. I, I immediately had to watch the first episode of season two right after watching mm. that because it's impossible to not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, season two, episode one, spectacular. It's mm. wonderful. Oh, it's one of the really? one of the few. I think David Lynch only directed four episodes of, mm, of the series, like eight. Oh, it was eight. It's like up to the point where they reveal the killer. Well, basically. he didn't do all of them. I, I think it's like nine. Mark Frost directed the episode that we're talking about. It's like eight mm-hmm. or nine. Well, um, he was involved. Oh, he was he though. was fully involved up yeah. until up until they reveal the killer. But yeah. but but directing. He didn't oh, fully yeah. like oh, helm see. the episodes. No, I there were, I, I want to say it was like four of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and season two, episode one is one of them, and mm-hmm. it's truly wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I picked this episode, like to follow Piper Laurie to this episode, mm-hmm. for many of the reasons that we have touched upon. Of course, the overarching, which is that any excuse to dip back into Twin Peaks, oh, yes. but <laughs> Piper Laurie is like so. I mean, Catherine Martell is out Catherine Martelling herself in this one, and it yes. it is so over the top and crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the best moment being that so she she has been lured to the mill because she has to find the ledger. So there's multiple things going on, multiple <laughs> tracks here that are all connected to money to property to all the things but so what's been happening at the mill in the interim beautiful diner waitress shelly having an affair with bob bad boy bobby um married to abuser and mullet haver leo (laughs) long distance truck driver drug dealer Uh, um yeah all the all the things so he has tied shelly up like he's he's hung her up, um, gagged her, and she's just in the mill. Leo's like you, you, putting this wily e. coyote acme <laughs> bomb thing. That's yeah. he's like I, he's like you have an hour, and it's like tick 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 with the egg timer, which is incredible. Mm. But so Shelly's just there. We jump around to other stuff, but one of my favorite funny <laughs> moments. I've I've like lost the thread a little bit because I just am reminded of how funny. It is to me that when Leo leaves, he just he says yes. to her, was, "You broke my heart." Yeah. And just leaves. Yes. I love that. And she's like there, like just with tears streaming down her face. But Catherine Martell comes in, yes. like with her gun. She's read, like she's ready, right? She's like, "Motherfuckers, you're not gonna do me like that." Like mm-hmm. this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
<laughs> Shelly is like, vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> like the timer's ticking. She's like strung up in the mill. And, <laughs> and then Lori goes, I can't understand a thing you're saying. You have a thing in your mouth. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so Excellent. good. Excellent. That's exactly what a person would say. It's so <laughs> realistic to that situation. In a situation that's so soap opera-y and like weird melodramatic and mm. wily acme like cartoony. <laughs> and then she says that. Beautiful. Oh my it's so god. Funny. That it's is just so funny. A good mm-hmm. quote. Uh I love that so much. Yeah. I also love it. Piper Lori's just constantly like, I have to think while the mill is on fire, actively on fire. She's just mm-hmm. sitting there Whoa. like trying to yeah. decide. It's like she says that and then it's like I have to think. Then yeah. the the most um like I think you the two of you are are maybe too young for this, but Eric, you might remember this. Like they're um around the time of like G.I. Joe's and and Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman and all the action figures and stuff, there was also like a judo or karate one that existed at, around that same time and you would press this thing in his back and he would like punch through like these breakaway oh, little plastic yeah. uh-huh. boards uh-huh. and I realized watching this episode <laughs> that the <laughs> the roof of the mill as it's oh, like yeah. finally like becoming engulfed in flames when it collapses it looks exactly like the breakaway board where it's got the little sawtooth yes. like jagged <laughs> things and it's just pre-cut and yes. falls through. Yes. And I don't know why I have never noticed that before, but Amazing. I feel like I had big hard eyes for that. Amazing. This time because it just made it just made like the heightened everything in this episode yes. in particular just so <laughs> ludicrous. I love so much the drama between Catherine and Josie. And and Josie's one of my favorite characters from Twin Peaks. I love the arc of that character. Like everything that happens, the revealing, just like the backstory, everything that goes on. And the fact that the intro to the show is not like logs being cut it's saws being sharpened Mm -hmm. like like, Mm -hmm. i just kept thinking about that every time i watched that intro where it's like the obvious thing to show with the sawmill is the logs being sliced into boards but they show the law the saws being sharpened which Mm -hmm. is like it's a way cooler process (laughs) cool and good and dangerous feeling and the the tension between Catherine and josie i love that whole drama and like everything about that is so good Mm -hmm. i really like those two characters being the battle that they have for this weird town and like whatever the mill and just like every time they shoot the mill too it's this weird ghosty lighting but yeah. it's just the craziest dreamlike hazy sunlit half sun half shadow lighting it is so fucking cool it's off the charts the vibes are yeah. just Okay, I have to make fun of something again. Please. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, speaking of Josie, Mm -hmm. she's wearing a crazy plaid, shoulder-padded cardigan sweater. Mm. I mean, what is just more exquisite than Joan Chen at that, at the Twin Peaks moment? Nothing. But so, Hank, (laughs) Hank, um, I always want to call her Peggy because that's her real name, Norma's. Yes. You know, husband H- from H- the night. He's like at a, at a, 
out of the clink and he mm. is uh meeting with Josie who is giving him his his payoff money um for taking the take, taking mm. the rap and they go back and forth a little bit. She just really doesn't say anything but look at him and be beautiful. Joan Chen is Josie. Yeah, <laughs> but, we, we, had a deal. We, had, he, we had an arrangement. Yeah. Yeah, he talks for about 15 years mm -hmm. um, leading up to basically just saying like, uh-oh, there's a possibility that mm -hmm. now it's blackmail and I'm going to whatever. But it, mm -hmm. He talks about it for so long. Yeah. And it is like the funniest, greatest, defining Hank moment ever because <laughs> that guy is a dumb shit. Yeah. That's the best scene. And it's amazing. I loved that scene so much. <laughs> it goes on forever. Like, it's such torture. The way he cuts, <laughs> and then he cuts their both their thumbs open and presses them together yeah. and says, this Ugh. is, once you're in business with, with someone, you're in business for life. And the threat, uh, like the vague threat of that and just everything. And now knowing what Josie was dealing with the entire yeah. time, it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> the amount she was dealing with in that scene and beyond is just like so fucking good. It's so good. I I love that moment. That was like the most powerful thing, thing from that episode for me was that moment between them. Where, and oh. her just being so awesome and strong and being like, we had a deal. And like she blows smoke in his face too. Yeah. She's mm -hmm. like, we had a fucking deal. But he inhales it. Mm -hmm. Like it's the, I have to say just as an aside that the presence of Joan Chen in Twin Peaks um, was really cool to me. It was really mm -hmm. cool to me to see an Asian mm -hmm. person playing that role. Mm -hmm. um, I still think about that. It is cool. So, I mean, what about what happens with Catherine, though, in the second season? It, I was like <laughs> a little bit like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It gets a little weird. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. And I it's, mean. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. That's That gets like kind of messed up. I, I didn't know how to feel about it. I really didn't know how For to feel me, about it's it. It's about the representation moment. Mm -hmm. And it was really like, since that wasn't necessarily something that was on everybody's uh, minds yeah. mm -hmm. and certainly not on our screens yeah. or um, stages. So mm -hmm. just purely that. Yeah. Like just that is un unhooked from anything about like the storyline or anything like that or the mm -hmm. character even. Mm -hmm. It's just like, wow. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. And she was amazing in that role. And I've, you know, obviously I did my little like online research for certain things and everybody's like her wooden, she was so wooden and like, she was so like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Everyone's like critiquing her acting. I thought she was incredible the whole time. I've always thought she was incredible the entire time. She's it's Joan fucking Chen. What are you going to do? Like, I Right. It's I, the character. It's literally yeah. femme, like femme face, like the most beautiful woman who yeah. has this like right. total air of mis mystery, yes. regardless of what the fuck she's doing. 
and they make her lovable. <laughs> but and she's like driven to insanity by the end, which and does that I thought in an incredible way where she's trying to keep it all in. You can watch her try to keep everything, all of this bullshit in, and she just snaps. And this that that her ending, as weird it is as it is, is so fucking <laughs> cool. Yeah. I love it. I, I there's like she becomes the knob on the dresser. Like we're just gonna spoil everything. We're spoiling everything. Her, I don't know if we are. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm <laughs> I'm spoiling it all because I want to talk about everything, but that is so fucking cool because it's like the log lady, the spirits in the wood, yeah. all of that just and the amount of like wood paneling and wood in the show that every character is constantly surrounded by everything made of wood, that just feeling that he that he captured for for the original series is so fucking cool and weird and like not it's like unexpected and just like cottagey and just comfortable i don't know it's very it's really strange with for how horrifying this show gets and how the themes that it explores how terrifying and just like sadistic and disgusting they are the cozy vibe i have now when i think back about watching it all is so cool and yeah. weird Lynch. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yes. Pacific I, Northwesterner. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like while you're saying that stuff, I'm just like, I've never had that thought before because oh. it just seems regular to me. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Pacific oh, it's like, it just looks like it looks yeah. here. Well, it like also straight up truth. The other cool things were like, I was, I forgot that Lynch was from Missoula, which yeah. Eric was like, hey, it's yeah. from Missoula, but it, like the, the Montana name drops for like hungry horse, Montana, which is a town I've, been to a hundred times and like Kellispell and Missoula, the towns that I grew up going to and those being dropped in the show is just crazy. Like, it's just like, whoa, that's very weird. And yeah, Laura's specific. cousins from Missoula. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so funny. Cousins, and identical <laughs> cousins. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Leo did a little stint in jail in Hungry Horse, Montana. Yeah. <laughs> This is the weirdest place uh, to go to jail. Oh my god! So uh, let's talk about Nadine for a second. Yes, please. Because Nadine uh, ritual does a ritual suicide in the middle of this episode, and if you hadn't watched any of Twin Peaks, you would just suddenly be treated to a woman <laughs> yeah. with an eye patch yeah. putting on a prom dress and then swallowing a bunch of pills. <laughs> That's true. On a like on a blanket set out like yeah. a picnic. On a wool, a plaid wool blanket. In the most mm -hmm. beautiful way. Pink satin dress. Be a wonderful scene. The opposite of how Nadine's been shown through the entire series up oh, to that Nadine. point. Nadine is, for <laughs> me, she's one of the most sympathetic characters in the entire thing. Like I just have always just loved and cared about Nadine. She's mm. incredible. But what the with fuck her, is going on her, with Nadine? She's fucked up. Like she, she knows... <laughs> So Nadine is married to Big Ed. Mm -hmm. Big Ed mm -hmm. is in love with Norma. Mm -hmm. Norma is mm -hmm. in love with Big Ed. But Norma has a fucked up ex-husband. Or I guess, are they still married? Is that yeah. part They're of the thing? They're still married, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. still married. Um, so there's this like great, perfect soap opera style love quadrangle. And Norma's husband <laughs> is the one who went through the deal with Josie. The like, mm -hmm. we're always business partners. What's his mm -hmm. name? Henry? Hank, Hank Jennings. Hank. Hank. Hank Jennings, okay. But yeah, Nadine... She's she's very weird. She's extremely high strung. She's constantly trying to develop silent curtain runners. 
um, mm-hmm. which which she does, <laughs> and it's it's really delightful when she does. Yeah. She's really trying so hard to to be loved by her husband, who mm-hmm. she she does know doesn't necessarily love her the way that the way that she wants to be loved. And she also mm-hmm. has the strength of Superman. She's weirdly strong. Yeah, she is weirdly very very <laughs> physically strong. Um, so it's we've watched this this like mythological being yeah, yeah. for seven episodes prior to this episode. Mm-hmm. So for the first and only thing you see her do is to commit a ritual act of suicide. Because her mm-hmm. silent curtain runners didn't get picked, the patent didn't get picked up. Yeah. They, well, they... and because she, because Ed was actively having an affair with no. Oh, did Norman. she find out about that? Is that why? I, for my, I didn't just rewatch everything. So my mind may be a little hazy, but. Well, it's hard to keep track of everything, but I thought that it was because her silent curtain runners, which he spilled oil on, yes. and she f- loved him for, she was so excited because they were going to be millionaires, <laughs> but then her patent didn't get picked up, and they didn't get, yeah. nobody wanted it, because no one cared about silent curtain runners, <laughs> so then she's just going to kill herself. I care, Nadine, I care. I um, care too, Nadine. Uh-huh. The... <laughs> I mean, everything just is just comes to a head for Nadine. It's yeah. too much. It's symbolic more than anything else, right? Yeah. But oh, Nadine is just such a, the tragic figure. She's but, very tragic, but she's also just so uh, she's she's so Lynchian mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that like. The complexity of her character is so interesting. Like, there's no one in any of these things, in any of the show, is just like one thing. Like, no one's right. just an automaton kind of mm-hmm. like bubble, except for James. Like, James Hurley is maybe the most bland character. Mm-hmm. And even James is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's the point of James, though, yeah. right? Yes. So, for Nadine to be. <laughs> this, this, I seriously like. I just if her if her name was Clytemnestra or something like it would make more sense. <laughs> like it, <laughs> she needed she she is this like figure of legend to mm-hmm. me within Twin Peaks within the lore of Twin Peaks, <laughs> mm-hmm. like Log Lady, like Log Lady. Yeah, where then Margaret. So Nadine Not to after be with Home Office after mm-hmm. trying to kill herself she wakes she goes into a coma for a while she wakes up and she thinks she's 16 again so she's just <laughs> going back to high school and having a crush on and having super strength and destroying young men in yeah. the high school for the whole second season basically she's like 16 years old again and it's which it's, i love yes. i do too it's sweet too because she breaks up with ed yeah um, and he wants and, that yes and, and then he gets to be with norma it's really sweet amicable divorce yes uh and she ends up with mike yeah Ugh. uh yeah but yeah the Not way that doesn't that doesn't greatest. end well it's like like when that when but it's that so sweet. whole thing yeah. w- at the at the end of the original series when that all <laughs> yeah. that spell goes away at the miss it's heartbreaking miss twin peaks pageant it is absolutely heartbreaking this is the other thing about twin peaks is that the portrayal <sighs> of sadness in this series, which Fuck. you don't really see a lot of in this episode, aside from Nadine's suicide, mm-hmm. um, the way that grief 
and sadness is shown mm-hmm. is so extreme <laughs> and so brutal sometimes. Yeah, totally. Uh, Grace Zabriskie isn't in this episode, but she's sadly yeah. Laura Palmer's mother, and uh, it's just like I've God. I've never seen a more uh, devastating portrayal of grief. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's absolutely wrenching. Yeah, by it's the definition of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Grace. Grace. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. She also, of course, was in an episode of Heart to Heart. Yes, she was. Oh, who was she? There's she was, a. She, it was a Hearts. Ma- heart ma- They were maids in. Uh, in, they were in, Acapulco in Acapulco or wherever uh, they were. Yeah. yeah. Right. And Grace Zabriskie had a Russian, a fake Russian accent or a real Russian accent. Fake oh, Russian she was accent. Interpol. Yes, she was Interpol. Oh wow, that's so funny. <laughs> but then, of course, Leland Palmer. Is in <sighs> Larson's last jump. Yes, and then and Jacques. Yep, Jacques is, is in Hitch in... Heart. <laughs> he's oh in the movie God. Secrets of the Heart. Oh, he's in oh. Hitch for Heart too. He's a longshoreman. Oh wow! Holy shit! Space Hammer. Space oh my Hammer. God! All these connections That's from so Space cool. Hammer to Space Axe. Maybe yeah. he brought the space hatchet to, to Twin Peaks. Maybe yeah. this episode has a lot of hatchet action. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Um, what's interesting about this episode too, I realize, like just gazing upon it from just uh, just a distance mm-hmm. through a partition, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is that the supernatural elements mm-hmm. are not highlighted on or touch really necessarily touched no. upon in a direct sense in this episode at all, which I found. I, of course, I'd never noticed it before, but I, I also think it's kind of funny that 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 it is kind of like as crazy and over the top as the episode is. Mm-hmm. If you're going to watch one in this weird way, like mm-hmm. that's the one where that's not coming in to be yeah. freaky to you. But by that same token, I'll say that I think I dropped the ball on spooky season in that regard. And that did occur to me because oh, no. it's not spooky. I mean, I the just... overall is spooky. <laughs> But episode eight ain't spooky. Yeah, I episode eight's not. So so glad. apologies. Please I'm don't disqualify so glad that me. You chose this episode because I've now fallen in love with the show finally, and I'm like fully obsessed and haven't stopped thinking about it <laughs> since our last recording. Uh, that thrills me. It's so just much. like the amount that I do. I've. Uh, it's crazy. Like I just feel like time dilated from the last week. I felt like a year has passed because of. <laughs> The amount of just like experience I've had watching this show, but the end of the entire series is so. Oh come on! I know, but we have to talk about. We have. I gotta talk about it. I know. I can't not. Unless unless we want to agree to do a capsule on Twin Peaks, we are going to talk about Twin Peaks right now. We we gotta (laughs) because that gate. It was like that. My Skinnerinky feeling. It was touched me it tore to the core like the sadness and just horror mm-hmm. of seeing your beloved dale cooper who we've ba- we've basically never haven't talked about that character is fucking incredible mm-hmm. and kyle mclaughlin plays that i said his name right yep uh in an amazing way where he is just weird just to the right amount and is just so charming and you just love him so much. Yes. And just seeing him 
in the it's so fucking sad at the end <laughs> he gets taken by bill and bob. or bob yeah bob and seeing bob in the mirror smashes his face in the mirror and the way he says where's annie this woman that he's fallen in love with heather graham where's annie where's annie in this psychotic way is terrifying and then it ends and you're like it's so fucked up but it's the best ending it was when i binged the whole thing Mm -hmm. uh during a flu Mm -hmm. that ending i was so angry (laughs) i bet i was so sad and so angry and just like i couldn't believe that that was it yeah and then i was like okay so there's fire walk with me which which doesn't really fix anything Mm -mm. but (laughs) at least it's like a continuation of some sort the return uh the return <laughs> i don't want to talk about the return well, you can't talk about it yet because no one hasn't watched any of it yeah and i'm only a third of the way joe through. and i have started watching the return and, and I'm, this is my this will be my third time through i'm loving it so far i think it's fantastic i think it's mm. i think it's really beautiful and it is additional to the original Twin Peaks and Firewalk with Me. It's not any sort of augmentation. Um, like, cause, cause I think like Ellen, I was like, well, th- no, Twin Peaks lasted and it did its thing. And I, I'm totally satisfied with everything that it did. Uh, I of course just want more of everything that I like. So when the return came out, I was excited. And I also was like, Oh, it's David Lynch. Yeah. And he gets, he gets final say of whatever they do. Because it's showtime. Like free reign. Yeah. So I was like really into it, really excited about it. And I've had a very complex relationship with the return. Mm. Uh, And I'm currently on my favorite version of it. (laughs) Mm, Nice. How do you feel about the ending of Twin Peaks, Ellen? I love it. Because it's just so horrifying (laughs) and sad. Because it, it, leaves us in a heightened version of the place where we begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He Pete Martell finds a dead teenager mm-hmm. on the riverbank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I just think yeah. that it it just bookends the experience really beautifully. What's I I agree with that. Yes. What's interesting to me about the way it ends is that it and and I guess you know people can argue this obviously uh but it ends by solving the mystery that they've been trying to solve and mm-hmm. it's just not a happy solution it's like not like happy. it's you're it's that's just it like it's it's Chinatown it's <laughs> <laughs> like you can't get out of this like this yeah. and it makes it's a real threat And it was a threat that Dale wasn't ready for. Mm -hmm. And it's like that just, you think that he's going to be ready for it. You think he's going to prevail. And when he doesn't, it's like extra sad and extra horrifying. But that the realness of that cutting through whatever soap opera or whatever, anything that's going on is just so effective. It's so effective. And really brutal. Yeah. Because you love him. Yes. You love Dale Cooper. He's Mm -hmm. so lovable. Yes. He always wants to do the right thing. 
uh, he's he's never he's never out for his own gain. Like, yeah, it's, it's aside from coffee and pie. Yeah, you know, it's so sweet. He's, yeah, yes. I mean, he... Dale Dale Cooper is, is a true believer. Yeah. Um and right, he's just just mm-hmm. just good. But it just makes everything that was happening way more palpable and way more just real and terrifying and threatening and it is threatening and whatever allegory these things that david lynch is portraying the incomprehensible side of life the like things that can't be understood will never be understood and the ending that he gives us is not is just that yeah you're right these things can't be understood Mm. even by our most like effective character our most beloved character he just he can't uh surmount or surpass these things which are they just never will be it's so uh, just like the realness of that really is like so effective oh god (laughs) (laughs) wow this is such a this is great it's like you're on your twin peaks honeymoon and we're here with you i know it's really delightful i've been so Um, looking forward to talking about it it's really I feel like I <laughs> the way you reacted when uh the wheel <laughs> did land upon <laughs> my selection is so funny to think about uh, now. I, I mean like you didn't lose your shit but it's was clear that it's like yeah shit. <laughs> yeah, <no>. totally. <laughs> I'm a, a um, convert. Do do you feel like the metaphoric or symbolic aspects of possession um resonate with you yes that i just think it's amazing the way that it's shown in the show the way that it's shown and the the amount that it's shown is just like pitch perfect for feeling real and feeling like it it is a it's just a truth. I don't know. Yes, I love that. The the inhabiting spirit with the one-armed man mm. that mm. in the show when he goes into the the bathroom stall and he freaks out because this very polite one-armed man uh I forget I can't, can't remember the names. Philip Gerard. Philip Gerard is the one-armed man and then who what's his inhabiting spirit? Mike. 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 Mm-hmm. The when he when Mike comes out of him, the performance change with that actor seems so unreal. It's just like the most incredible shift of character that it, and his freak out in that bathroom stall mm. is just like insane and incredible. Just amazing that shift and like him explaining the inhabiting spirits and everything mm. is I, so good. I think about the parallel between the Laura Palmer character and how she is, you know, the high, she's just the all American, like the high school uh, princess basically. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's not that person at all. And obviously we learn later that certain things have shaped her in this way. Like, like there ends up being, you know, things that, that work to help us understand why Mm -hmm. she's hypersexualized Mm -hmm. and, all of those things and like kind of hard underneath it all. Yeah. You know, like it's it really interesting to me the way that they have that it's a teenage girl mm-hmm. 
no longer with us, speaking to us um, and trying out adulthood and independence and working through all these things about herself through the tapes mm-hmm. with her, with Dr. Jacoby, right? But it's yes. just interesting to me the way that Laura has these moments of working through like the power of her sexuality that I find is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And the way that she talks about it is, is so, I mean, sadly, like so teenaged, um, like just such a weird moment, but then you, you know, we, what we know about her experiences and, Mm -hmm. you know, how she's, she's just living this high risk life, you know, she's self-destructive. Yeah. It's, I think I, I, always consider that a parallel between the possession oh my god um, yeah. storyline that it is about um just about the potential for darkness when she that goes you, you can't assume that someone is all one thing like no you're saying it's it's the the layers of the characters but mm-hmm. i think it is just like you can't assume that someone because of all their trappings is going to embody like the white light or the purity that everyone has the capability to embrace not just not just hold darkness yeah but to actively embrace darkness and revel in it yes whether it's damaging to them or not whether they know that about the experience that it just overtakes you in whatever way and the way that the filmmakers understood that and showed us this prom homecoming queen photo of her at the end of every episode (laughs) and just like the depths that were exploring who she was when she was alive after she's already been murdered is fucking incredible and the the way that the firewalk with me when she goes to it's not she's not at one-eyed jacks but she's is, is it bang bang bar when it's just this she's brings donna comes with her and in the movie and everything is subtitled and the only other time everything subtitled is in the black lodge. And so Mm -hmm. that's just her black lodge is like this bar where she's just losing herself and just doing whatever I think to probably obviously avoid Bob and this dark spirit. Yeah. It's it's worse at home. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just doing whatever she can do to like, avoid whatever that is Ugh. i mean like like you were talking about with the with the possession allegory here uh the the drug use I, and to a certain extent the sexuality as well mm-hmm. but those are the things that are protecting her mm-hmm. <laughs> uh at this at this time and we're i get right now we're talking about firewalk with me Um, But like at that time in her life, those are the things that are protecting her. Like she's surviving Mm -hmm. because of the drugs. Yeah. And she's surviving, like she's surviving because of Bobby. She's surviving because of Jacques and, Mm -hmm. and Leah. Like she has, she has a, she has a life that's hers, Mm -hmm. whether it's, it's hers to destroy or, or nourish it's hers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's a, it's a, it's interesting because yeah ultimately it's her freedom of it's her it's her independence that result that causes her death Mm -hmm. it's her it's her refusal 
to be possessed. Yeah. That causes her death. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. that's. Okay. I see those behaviors um, as it's her attempt to control um, yeah. something in her life, right? Totally. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's Oof. it's just it's really it's like a it's one of the more human, um, like human portrayals of drug addiction. Yeah, that I've seen in a really long like like where it's it's not just here's a fucked up teenager who's pretending life is all great. Right. It's like no, this is here's the the here's demons. how this person can get through the day and the here's literal this, demon this she works. was fighting. She was fighting literal demons that were yeah. shown in the show, but it's like whatever taste of that are the demons that everybody fights every day. And I always thought in the movie, when I watched the movie before the show, when she jumps off the motorcycle and oh yeah, hugs James, she like grabs his head and screams, I love you, yeah. and then runs away. That was so funny before seeing the show and everything. <laughs> and then the last time I was just like almost in tears, just like that is so fucked up. Just mm-hmm. like that moment is just crazy. Her the the passion and just like her trying to connect and watching her try to connect to these other people and Donna and everybody mm-hmm. and, and not being able to for what's she's, happening in her life. She's both desperate to feel and to be numb at the same time. Yes. Right? And to disconnect. Yes. Um, Ugh. I have to talk about how they are Scooby doing it so hard. Mm. <laughs> um, Donna and James. I mean, everyone is Scooby doing it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, Specifically in this episode when they're like, yet again, like rooting around in Dr. Jacoby's uh, <laughs> stuff. And they're at his crazy, like, uh, I'm sorry to say this tiki house or whatever, like yeah. his freaky, his yeah. freaky place, um, which I love mm-hmm. when <laughs> there's, there's like some moments throughout where the teenage characters are so hilariously teenaged, even mm. though of course, like looking at them, you're like, these are adults, like way, way adult <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> actors and all the things. And but they're then never sometimes, in school. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the, the behavior is like just so funny. And <laughs> this episode has one of those moments. It has the Scooby doing it mm-hmm. and the like teenage, whatever the fuck moment where they find the little umbrellas, right? They open the yes. drawer and they find the little container of, of um sentimental like uh special life moment like drink umbrellas because mm-hmm. tiki um <laughs> but it's got like the little tags on it yes. right that mark what he was drinking to or what was happening then mm-hmm. and donna and james are like looking at it and they don't quite go like ew stupid or something like that but they kind of do a version of that where they're just like weird yeah they chuckle uh-huh. yeah and it's like <laughs> and then this is like, eh, you know, but it's just so funny. Like, it's just this weird moment where it's like, that is actually like an easily understandable um, thing. It's yeah. just him having a drink mm-hmm. uh, and marking the occasion like a little diary. But it's just funny the way they're like, uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> yes. it's like, that's the thing that you're going to freak out about. And it's just a funny way to like show like just how bizarre. Um everything else is it's like because then it's like there's a little coconut <laughs> there's a coconut with a tape a and coconut. a necklace that laura's mom had a vision of somebody grabbing out of the dirt oh god sorry every every time they're listening to laura 
talk, like the looks on their faces are such a hilarious mood. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just so much. Oh my God. The scene. So James, Except Donna who just cries, which I hate. Yeah. <laughs> James is basically hanging with Donna and Laura's cousin, who is Laura. Uh, and the scene when they are just doing a singer songwriter moment just you just you yeah and I. I love so much i love that scene and i love that song so much and it's so cool and it's just like the weirdest like 50s americana thing that's happening throughout the entire series that is just mm-hmm. i can't understand it i don't really that and that, but that's what turned me off from watching it originally was this 50s sort of weird Americana thing that was going on that I just couldn't get the cherry pie sort of vibe. Lynch. Yeah. yeah. In the 80s. So the 80s saw this, this mainstream nostalgia for the 1950s, American 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, like in Back to the Future, in mm-hmm. Peggy Sue Got Married, and like a, like any number beginning of fucking, in the 70s truly beginning in the 70s but mm-hmm. really like coming to a coming to a real big head in the 80s and mid 80s uh with mainstream like massive mainstream movies mm-hmm. um porkies even uh and then david lynch kind of flipped that around to say like everything was not as cool as you think it was like look right. how dark it was underneath that mm-hmm. Uh, and he was sadly he was doing it so subversively, <laughs> yeah, that no one thought of it as literal. But it's all entirely literal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like Blue Velvet is one of the uh, scariest yeah. movies I've ever seen. Oh, I know. Yeah. I gotta rewatch that. I haven't watched that in so long. Oh God, that's like his 1950s, right? Like it's yeah, like... but it's like set in the 80s. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's current. Yeah. yeah, but it is. It's about. Oh, it's about making America great again and like mm-hmm. capturing that apple pie fucking innocence mm-hmm. of mourning in America. And then it's like, yeah, but then there's also like Frank. <laughs> Don't forget Frank. about Frank, who's who's Frank. huffing, huffing something and raping his girlfriend with scissors. Yeah. So wild. God, I just keep thinking. Oh, Blue Velvet. Blue I saw Velvet. that, the Egyptian Ugh. during the... It, Amazing. Like premiered at the film festival. I love that scene in uh, The Squid and the Whale. Uh, have you seen Squid and the Whale? Where yes. the dad is like going on a date with his son. Like his son is going on a date and he just goes with them. They're going to go see some char- like dumb blockbuster movie. And he's like, I heard Blue Velvet is supposed to be good. And then it's like the date with the dad <laughs> with the woman screaming like naked in the living room. And it's just like the worst, <laughs> almost awkward, horrible scene. <laughs> It's so funny. Ugh. David Lynch apparently was never going to reveal the killer. He was never, the plan was to n- never reveal who actually killed Laura Palmer. And I am so curious. There was also, I've like read a bunch because I've been so obsessed. And it was like, there were supposed to be four people who had returned from the Black Lodge. David Bowie, uh, Chris Isaac, Dale Cooper, and then one more, I think, and he was going to do movies about each one of these people. Hmm. And I just, now that we have the hindsight on this show and how incredibly successful it is in a cultural sense, at least, you one, I wonder about the network's 
involvement and how much they fucked it up because halfway through season two, the the killer is revealed. Yeah. And then it becomes this Wyndham Earl, Dale Cooper inverted. In my mind goes off the rails. It Mm -hmm. I there are moments that I love from the second half of season two and they're great. I I'm glad I watched it. It's mm-hmm. just but yeah, once the killer is revealed, it becomes sort of a different thing and it becomes this like other show. But I'm just like, can we just give David Lynch the time and the whatever he wants to do whatever he wants? Like at, I mean at this point I mean I think he has that now. He has that now, <laughs> which is why I'm so excited about watching the return yeah. and I'm loving it so far. It's so good. Uh but maybe it wouldn't have been as successful. I don't know. Like Twin Peaks, maybe that was a needed ingredient in whatever made Twin Peaks Twin Peaks. The way that I think about it is the the show was a cultural phenomenon at the time that it was airing mm-hmm. because of a lot of factors, mostly the beautiful stars and the weirdness of David Lynch. Mm-hmm. And the fact that no one had ever seen anything like it before. Mm-hmm. So when, when in season two, the networks apparently get their way and David Lynch is like, I'm out yeah. for, for an indeterminate amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you see what happens. Like you just see what happens when <laughs> interference in something that no one understands. Exactly takes place it's like a very clear you don't know what this is yeah and so you don't meddle in it but that said i feel like that happened at the right time i think that everything like the way that it played out is the way that it should have played out mm-hmm. i'm glad there's not like <laughs> yeah. endless twin seasons. peaks content like yeah. a manga or some shit yeah. Like I, it would be so annoying. What if Twin Peaks was still on the air? Well, and it was like, <laughs> well, what if Twin Peaks was what what David Lynch was famous for? Like, what if it was just like, oh, David Lynch, the guy that does all the Twin Peaks movies? He just does Twin Peaks, where he's movies. like George, the George Lucas of Twin Peaks. This is Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead, so, he like so explored... now Disney Disney would own Twin Peaks. Yeah, totally. exactly. It'd but it's Disney it, original Twin Peaks. Instead, they but Twin Peaks wouldn't be explore... called Twin Peaks anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> it'd have a new name. Yeah, it'd be Twin Black, Peaks. Black Lodge. The, the first supper. <laughs> yeah, Twin Peaks six. We yeah. would, Roman, we would... Roman numeral six. Yeah, I just I feel like David Lynch has gotten to explore these things of his, these ideas of his, uh, in so many different mediums and so many different stories mm. because Twin Peaks wasn't a huge hit. Mm. That's like I just look at it that way. Because like, it wasn't a huge hit. Well, it was a huge hit. It just wasn't a lasting, like, it's, it wasn't, it lasted less than two years. Yeah, right. That's not a, that's yeah. not like a, it's not like Cheers. Like a money-making, yeah. Or, sitcom. or fucking Falcon Crest, for that mm. matter. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, <laughs> it's not it's... even X-Files. Like, X-Files lasted nine years before taking a fucking 15-year hiatus. That just adds to the mystique of it, to, though, was what, like, which is it out outside it's outside of that it just seems like a thing that wouldn't have been made especially for network television and it was made and so i think that's like part of the reason people love it and it seems like it's a thing that's outside of the like money making thing which is i think everything david lynch has made he just happens to be successful in a i guess 
commercially successful i don't know i have no idea how much money he has or like how much his stuff makes i think people go to his movies now but it's outside of that and what what it's trying to explore is outside of any realm of anything else anything else anyone else is trying to explore which is what's so cool about it and it is very inspiring to watch Mm -hmm. as a creative person it's just like damn that's cool like david lynch basically just got to do whatever the fuck he wants especially when the giant shows up and just starts giving (laughs) dale like these premonitions that is so fucking cool and just just like david lynch just wanted that to happen so it just happened and it makes sense because he was functioning from a place of his subconscious where things just like were able to link up in that way that is so cool it's just really really inspiring Mm -hmm. and really creative and even if everything's not perfect, even if there was like a whole Wyndham Earl <laughs> sequence oh for the last part of the series and things aren't perfect. There are episodes when he's like throwing a rock at a, a jar oh, yeah. where it's just like that maybe is a little too slapstick for me, even within the realm of David Lynch where things don't line up it's doesn't matter because it's still very successful on that it's still vibrating on that level of mm-hmm. subconscious yeah and vibe and energy in a oh yeah way. you you can't uh I, I don't think you can beat the vibe out of david i don't think <laughs> i wonder what would happen <laughs> well i mean didn't they do it for the his disney movie that he directed that was great the straight story is excellent story. And, and it feels like a fucking david lynch movie it's i gotta just watch not that scary i gotta like, rewatch that's the only that. thing that's missing there's no terror. scary moments no that's so no funny. no no straight story is a great film it's a great beautiful. american film it's beautiful and i say that you know the way i mean to say that mm-hmm. great american film um i think i was talking to someone today you know i mentioned that we were doing this and what i had inflicted upon us and <laughs> we're talking a little bit just about about twin peaks and i said that i just part of me wishes that i could have um photographs of people watching twin peaks mm-hmm. on april 8th 1990 in living rooms mm-hmm. uh bedrooms bus stations all over uh the u.s mm-hmm. just to see the look on people's faces regarding this incredibly unexpected unusual bit of television mm-hmm. um in my head i i picture like just a classic like like Rockwellian uh, family, but like everyone has kind of just like a, not a horrified look on their face, just sort of like a mixture (laughs) of confusion. And then there's one kid in the front who's just like, yeah, Yeah, I realized, I realized as I'm telling this, no one can, you guys can see me, but yeah, just like the, the (laughs) chin in the hands, just like eyes lit up completely. Yeah. And then I think obviously over time, there's just more and more people with, you know. Yes. I, I love that. I would love to see those photos. (laughs) I, I am. It's just so fascinating. This show is so fascinating from a standpoint of never being into it, but always having the lore around me from living in Seattle and always having everyone. It's like the most beloved show in Seattle. And 
I got told also one time by somebody that I didn't know that if I don't like Twin Peaks, then I am not like worth knowing. Basically, oh God, that fucking asshole. Uh, which is like a shitty way to be, but <laughs> was just like only expounded on the lore of the show for me. It was like, oh, like okay, this is like a very major show. Uh, that would have immediately just made me be like, well, I'm never watching that because you It saw did it. make me. It sort of did that, too. Sorry. Like, say what they said again. I know you've told me that before, and I, it, but I just. We went to a movie. We went say? to the movie we Mother. To, we went to see Darren Aronofsky's Mother. Which I hated. I fucking hated. But which, then we went to, like, after movie drinks to, like, talk about the film and how much I hated it. And. It was a friend of a friend who I didn't know and still yeah. don't know. Someone and, who we've never encountered again. Yeah. And oh. I was, we, we got into Twin Peaks for some reason. And I was like, I've never, I've never gotten into that show. I don't really like it. And what did he say? Do you remember? It was. He said basically that if you, if you don't like Twin Peaks, you're not, I, I, your opinion means nothing to me. Basically. Yeah. If you don't like Twin Peaks, then I don't like you. Basically. Yeah. Was so we're opinion. like, okay, see you later. And it was like, <laughs> bye. All right. <laughs> cool then bye nice nice not knowing you yeah really i'm very glad i don't know you further than this oh i mean doesn't it feel like in so many ways and so often like a compliment when someone detestable (laughs) dislikes you yes i mean really i i feel it means you're just living right totally i i felt like that in that moment too i was like (laughs) but it didn't it still didn't it's like my honor to be disliked by you yeah <laughs> yeah thank you so much christ i'm so relieved it was like bullet, bullet, imagine bullet the horror of that person <laughs> wanting to be with you yuck totally this reminds me okay i'm gonna there's like a little it's not a spoiler at all but so david Duchovny's are there any left well for the return <laughs> oh david okay. Duchovny's character shows up and at that was a moment when i was like Ugh! Like tight, like oh, oh no! But then the it's way a that weird, it's a weird. Dennis, David Duchovny Denise. is Denise, who is a transsexual or yeah, trans trans woman, trans woman, and shows up and is like played for a joke at the very beginning, but then is developed into this just char- full character, full fully lived person, and is returns in the return. Yeah, and <laughs> excellent. What David Lynch, uh, Gordon is sitting with them, and he says something along the lines. I, I'm not probably not going to quote it directly, but he says, "When you came out as Denise, I told everyone to change your heart or die. <laughs> Fix your hearts or die. Fix your hearts or die." <laughs> and I, just, that's like my my favorite quote from all of Twin Peaks ever. It's <laughs> just like, "Fix your heart or die." Yeah. Uh, it's just like. Such a good, especially from Gordon's shrieking <laughs> yeah. voice. It's so, that's such a good line. I love that so much. Yeah. Twin Peaks is a wealth of wonderful moments. Yes. Yes. Watch it. Don't even listen to this. Po- I hope you haven't listened. Yes. This Turn this off right if you now. Haven't watched it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we haven't even talked about Andy and Lucy. Andy and Lucy. They're great. Lucy is the sheriff's secretary. Or the, I, I'm going to send your call to the phone on the round table next to the, um, but okay, but next to the red chair, but not, um, but, but it's the black phone, not the brown one. And then uh, Lucy's sister shows up 
and it's oh God. Luke's sister from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. And I love that moment. I forgot about that. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. This, Yeah, I mean. And Andy is such a good character. Andy's he's, wonderful. He's one of the most cartoony Scooby-Doo characters in the whole show. But I don't know if it's the actor. I don't know if it's the writing. I don't know if it's just the direction or whatever pulls that character off in a way that you just hold him so close to your heart and he is so beloved. He is so incredible. And Lucy too. Yeah. I love like Lucy and Andy on paper. I would say, ugh, that's annoying. I don't want to see this. But when you're, when you're in it, they, they're such needed uh, points of light in this really dark story. Yeah. In our episode two, episode eight, season one, he shoots, Jacques. Yeah, he shoots Jacques Renault in and it, he while saves Harry's, Harry. Harry he Truman, saves Harry's life. Yeah. Which is very out of the character for Andy, who dropped his gun and it went off when they were going to the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> they go to a motel well, and he drops his gun and it goes off. Well, Andy is the is a classic character. He is Barney Fife. Yes. He mm-hmm. is the bumbling uh but lovable. Deputy. You know, side sidekick. He's a, a bumbling man of hench and essence, to use our yeah. vernacular. But I feel like when I think of the character of Andy, I still just always harken back to the first time we ever meet that character um, in any sort of meaningful way, which is when he is taking photographs of Laura Palmer's body and he starts to weep. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, like, there's, for me, like, there's a a lot of moments in, throughout Twin Peaks that I know are being played for laughs, but Mm -hmm. it's one of those moments when it's like, I don't, I don't have a sense of humor, because I feel like I never laugh. Um, I I take it in, like, with this weird sort of, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I I don't know if I'm just holding in, like, that reaction, because I'm just, like, trying to, like, like mm-hmm. take it all in like I, I don't i don't know but andy that moment really sets the tone for the show mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. like it's just such a crucial way in to what you're going to experience mm-hmm. yeah and i love it i, love I never it. i yes. actually never found that to be played for laughs i always thought that was just specifically like to illustrate not only Andy as a character as being like an extremely empathetic human being, but mm-hmm. to illustrate how small the town was and like, this is a girl that they all knew. Mm-hmm. And of course it's going to affect even the dep- the sheriff's deputy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never th- thought it was funny. I never, mm-hmm. well, and, and maybe it, I, it's, it's quirky. Like it's, it's odd. Yeah. Like Lucy, I guess maybe that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, but there's a moment where like the way that, that Harry is kind of has this eye rolly moment and stuff that mm-hmm. makes me, and they kind of like between the doctor and whatever. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. Well, and then in season two, they bring in Miguel Ferrer, uh, who is, who is another FBI agent and he hates everybody in Twin Peaks. <laughs> he like outwardly is the audience surrogate who's, who's like, uh, everyone who's acting stupid, I'm gonna call it out and talk about how stupid everybody's acting. Is this Albert? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's it's kind of it's an amazing love yeah it's like it's amazing because he is they here enter villain yeah and you're you're already in love like if you've if you come this far, you're already kind of in love with these characters, these yes. characters. Yeah. So when he starts talking shit, you're just like, God damn it. Fuck will you. you shut up? And it's, he is the antagonist for, for a good few episodes. Yeah. And his, his road to redemption oh my God. is one of the funniest. That one's funny. And it's also like truly beautiful <laughs> because Harry, the sheriff punches him out yes. and, oh, and gets stripped of his, uh, badge for a yeah. minute and he is maybe going to lose his job for a mm-hmm. while and then the way Albert when he comes back and he holds no he's not going to press charges and he says this is how th- I love you yeah. but I, I'm he explains his entire character in like two paragraphs yeah it's amazing and is fucking incredible <laughs> it is just so unbelievable that like what you're watching is a show it's just yeah. crazy also Miguel Ferrer is is a phenomenal actor oh, brilliant mm. just brilliant i love miguel ferrer mm. like he's okay so bear with me <laughs> i mean like i want to get with that guy he's oh. i don't he's, often say that but i i would really want to get with miguel ferrer. he is <laughs> the skinner of twin peaks to me oh yeah. totally yes. a million percent like yeah. and that means he can get it He's also just incredible <laughs> yeah. at his job, yeah. clearly. And I He's said the same thing about yeah. Skinner. Yeah, yeah. Like, right? Totally. Yes. I'm, I'm learning about a type that, well, I, have that I haven't confronted well, speaking, since the 90s, apparently. It of... might be time for Pick Your Poke. Pick Your Poke. The most natural segue into that ever. Yeah. Ugh. Ellen, you got right one? first. Oh, my God. Who in Twin Peaks is not my do you, poke? Do you have a Twin Poke? question. No. I know. Um, it is hard. It's everyone, isn't it? Because it's the essence of Twin Peaks that is so like, yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I feel like my. I know we're talk not talking about love. No, um, we're not talking about love. We're not talking about love, but. <clears throat> I'm going to conflate sex with love, even though I learned from St. Elmo's Fire that, Kevin, sex isn't love. <laughs> um, <laughs> when she tries to kill herself by yeah, opening don't, windows. Don't open all Chicago. your windows to kill yourself. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> what a realistic oh, suicide attempt. Man. In your pink yeah. room. Yeah. Your curtains Ooh, it's, flowing. God, they're Mural so... Billy Idol. <laughs> I mean, is it Coop? Is it Audrey? Is it, you know, is it that simple, Ellen? But it's really like my my absolute darling of Twin Peaks is, of course, Angela Benamente. Like, it's the music. Uh, The music is what just Mm -hmm. is everything for me. So, so yeah. So, that's it. Angelo. Angelo, the amount of times that they play what is essentially Laura Palmer's theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The amount of times that they play that piece of music over actors having like the most intense reaction to something. Yes. And it always works. It always it works. always fits. It is so like, good. It's, they every actually time. use it during Piper Laurie's like, I need help her when she's like mm-hmm. freaking out because she can't mm-hmm. find the ledgers mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. asks her, her yeah. strange husband for help. Mm-hmm. They use that sweeping romantic music, mm-hmm. which on the back end is like kind of <laughs> 
kind of cynical. It's amazing. Like you can do it. You can use it anyway. You can be fully earnest. You can be totally yes. cynical. Yes. It's so good. Right. It's the traveling pants. It really is the traveling pants. It's beautiful. It's, it's amazing beautiful. every time. Um, my See, this is hard because I'm trying not to go it's really whole hard. series. I'm trying to be specific to right, this episode. Right. And I don't know that my series poke was in this episode, but he had oh. to have been. He who's had to have been. Who's, who's your series poke? My series poke is Sheriff Harry Truman. Oh. It's the only cop that yeah. I will ever say this about. But Sheriff Harry Truman is he's so. He is in this episode. He he is in this episode. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. So he's. Beautiful. Yeah. He is just a lovable character. He's quiet, mm-hmm. which I love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just love Harry Truman. I love, mm. love, love Harry Truman. Yeah. My my the problem with my physiology is that I'm attracted oh, yeah. to Leo. Oh. What? Yes. Oh, Not yeah, the character. Right, right. right. But <laughs> Eric DeRay. I think Eric DeRay oh, is yeah. so sexy. But Leo is so appalling a yeah. character that I just can't even get behind right. it. Right to his to his the actor's credit, yeah, one hundred percent. It's just so scary and awful. I have the same dilemma because Leo is physically the most attractive. Yeah, he's so cute, and it's yeah. such a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. My poke is Dale Cooper. Yeah, because I would be so flattered if he oh. let me in. To that part of his life, <laughs> that character, I would just be like, I'm like Audrey, where I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, like you are so special. And I just, yeah, like if you would sleep with me, that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I school yeah, girl. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong no. with, the, with the pokes here. He, yeah. But it's a, a very confusing, hard thing to choose. It's really. Because it's weird because the depths of every character is like, oh, God. Well, here's something that's also very hard to choose, which is why we allowed BuzzFeed to choose it for us. Yeah. Which (gasps) Twin Peaks character do you think your intrepid hosts embody? Yeah. BuzzFeed has told us, and we are about to reveal that to you. Yeah. After these messages. Mm. No. (laughs) We have messages? Yeah, I wish we had messages. My message Uh, is, I do have a message. Yeah. The message is what I, which I the story I've told both of you is when I was sitting at my sewing machine watching Twin Peaks, working on my Halloween costume, Joey Veltkamp came up on my Instagram feed and just started talking about him his process and his show, and then I I learned that he had a show in Los Angeles and went to it, and he started talking about his love of sewing and the craft and also his love of Twin Peaks. While I was sewing and watching Twin Peaks, it was a very weird, uh, kismet situation, and so I just wanted to plug Joey Veltkamp's show in L.A. was beautiful and gorgeous, and if you like Twin Peaks, check out Joey Veltkamp's work. So that's the message I want to say for this episode. Just like plugging that. Nice. Basically, it's beautiful, beautiful I love work. It. Um, should we continue as uh in in the Minute Max order, starting with Ellen? Yes. Sure. So this is the big reveal. Yeah. The big reveal. That may not be so big. Do we do um, we get to your, guess? Did yours change? <laughs> oh Dale Cooper. Ellen is Dale Cooper. That makes sense. 
I, it does. It kind of does. I thought you yeah. would maybe get blacky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's how to feel about that. Because of your no bullshit. I thought you were going to get uh, Miguel Ferrer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is, it, is that on the table? Because I wish. I mean, I love Coop. So, and, yeah. That's, you know, I think. It's complimentary. I, I want to think maybe like the person that I actually am that is that is closer to that than maybe the person that I am on this podcast. <laughs> did you, what is your what is which your, seems weird? Did you have what a person? Is your descriptor say? say? Um, hang on, I gotta. Get did you have a person you thought you were gonna get? No, no, no. Um, so just to, to give the backstory, while I was, we were all doing the quiz, like sitting here on our FaceTime, and um, I just kept making jokes that I was going to rig it so I would be Dr. Jacoby, but <laughs> I just said that for no reason because I just thought that was funny. Um, no, I, there wasn't, I feel like really like when the show was first on, of course I would have just wanted to be Audrey. Mm. Um, yeah. But, Okay, so what does it say? It says, um, <laughs> it says, I'm curious. Uh, a childlike urge to experience um, things, enthusiasm, and eccentric manner can make certain people cautious. <laughs> um, desire to meet people on their level means that they look up to you. I don't know. Um, I think I don't have that kind of that kind of <laughs> purity or optimism, but mm. I mean, I am curious and so humble. I wonder how many of these characters they put into this quiz. I'm curious too. I have a feeling that they just picked like six, but mm -hmm. <laughs> what'd you get? I yeah. got Harry Truman. Oh wow! I got my poke. Uh, apparently. According to this, you, BuzzFeed, this BuzzFeed quiz that obviously delves into the true souls of us, right. uh, I'm confident and cool, but uh, I'm an absolute best friend. Some might think you're disinterested or even lacking curiosity, but you're more perceptive <laughs> than you're given credit for. You're oh actually, this God. is pretty accurate. Uh, you're, you're patient and not just with your friends. Above all, you surprise people with an open mind to things that are a mystery to you. Huh. That's actually kind of not bad. Yeah, that's great. I also love when Dave, Joe got this... Bob. I swear to God, I know he got Bob. <laughs> <laughs> this FBI agent comes to their town to investigate this murder and they embrace him in the most beautiful way. Yes. It is such. It's true. You would you would expect that to be mined for some kind of drama, especially within the melodrama of the show. But like they just were like, "That's all bullshit." This like they do in Fire Walk with me a little bit. Well, with Chris Isaac yeah. in a different town. Oh, oh my god, that's creepy. <laughs> Whoa, that light just went out in a very weird way. <laughs> wow. Oh, creepy. Um, but what happened? These lights are on timers, and sometimes oh. they just do weird shit. It's a hmm. very David Lynch moment. Yeah. I, I have to say that I took two different quizzes, and on both of them, I got Agent Cooper. Because oh. I remember I told you I did the Coop. other one, and I said that I was, I was Cooper. <laughs> so huh. like, I think maybe I was thinking I would get something different on the second one. I love that. 
Uh, I also got Dale Cooper. Oh my goodness! Here we go. Yeah, and I was very flattered. I was like, (laughs) I really thought I was going to get Audrey for some reason. Oh my god, you two are just identical. Yeah, Audrey is flawed. She is. She's wonderful. I love. She's wonderful, but she's got some like darkness. Audrey is lonely. She's, she's yeah, lonely. she's a lonely rich girl who's not afraid of getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. I did not like her ending. I was so that was such a bummer. We're spoiling. We don't have to worry about spoilers. At this I don't want to. Well, I, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> did you have any other notes? Uh, that you're dying to get out in this God. nearly two hour episode. Oh man, so many. I just want to talk about everything. Joe and I talked for I think an hour when I was in Tucson. Yeah, uh, about Twin Peaks. Like yeah. we just <laughs> talked via Marco Polo <laughs> for like an hour. I know. And we were like, "Oh, we have to save it for the podcast." But then we we're like, "Well, we don't want to like." It will be a five-hour podcast if we just like talk about everything Twin Peaks. The the Audrey in the brothel and then her dad coming in. I mean, we already talked about it, but the way it's developed and where she puts the mask on, she goes under the blanket and her dad is trying to have sex with her. I cannot believe that was on network television. I I can't believe the themes and the storylines that were in Twin Peaks were on network television at that time. That is so shocking to me that that was allowed and the amount of control that the network had i have no idea but i mean it's like shown sort of in a tame way but like what you're showing is so fucked up it's it's funny with with ben horn and audrey in that scene it it's kind of played for comedy like it's very it's very um you know kind of classic hollywood trial of errors thing mm-hmm. um but the parallel of that with Laura Palmer is the part where it gets yes. really like fucking aggressive. Yeah. Is once you, and we, you don't find that out for several episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you do, that's the thing that's so heavy about Twin Peaks is once they, certain revelations that, that are revealed have such weight because of the mm-hmm. time you've spent mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like the the benefit of a mystery, like yeah. the, your engagement with the story. Mm. Yes. Um. So when these when these things are revealed, they're so heavy. Yeah. Like, and you have to go back and think about mm-hmm. how heavy they actually are, and that's that's why the end is so satisfying in the in the most unsatisfying yeah. way. Like it's God. it's satisfying because it's like fuck, ugh, God. like evil wins sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. God, you just erased my whole... I had such something to say, and then I started thinking about that scene of Dale smashing his face in the mirror again yeah. and erased all of my memory. <laughs> I was shook. I was shook, shook, shook. It I re- couldn't believe it when the credits started rolling. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Ugh. Um, I love it now. Now I think it's like so beautiful and amazing. <laughs> Specifically about this episode that we're talking about, I guess, season one, episode eight, Dr. Jacoby is witnessing 
Laura Palmer's cousin by the gazebo. And then somebody comes up behind him and bashes him in the head Mm -hmm. and beats him up. Who is that? It's Leo. Is that? I think. Oh, no, no, it's Leland. Yeah, it's It's Leland Leland. is what Mm -hmm. I've read online. Because of the, the, he smelled the scorched oil. Yeah, because I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't know who would do that or why at the time. And I had watched all of it right up to that point. And I was very confused about like, why is he getting bashed in the head? But it's Leland because there's, of the burnt oil. Oh my smell. god! There's so many. There's so much good stuff. There's so much good stuff. Listener, if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, even if we have spoiled certain things for you, it it really is the journey more than than yeah. the destination. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go at it, I highly recommend going at it. It's really, it's really nice. It's a really good scary show. <laughs> yes. And it's time for hot links. And we haven't talked about Hawk yet, but. Oh, Hawk. One of my favorite characters, Hawk. He's just incredible. Hawk's great. He's the Good best. Sliders. Yeah. Hawk is wonderful. Uh, Ellen, do you have a link? I do, but I want to mention something that... Well, I, I have two potential links. Um, but sorry, I'm having to, like, dig it, dig it up. Um, I there's like no wrong answers in the cast and crew of twin peaks. It was, this was one of the harder ones. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, my initial, um, go-to was actually was Machen, lovely Machen Amick. Um, Mm. and when I was looking at, um, what she's been in she's actually in a movie rather incredibly in the context of chain reaction called i'm dangerous tonight oh what yes a movie yes that's wild yes huh. it's a tv movie um <laughs> does she make and, a dress <laughs> yeah would you like me to read the description I, of... please even if this okay. isn't your pick i want to hear the description <laughs> so it's it's from 1990 actually and it's directed by toby hooper <gasps> what yeah i know um so it it's a Director 1990 tv tv movie oh, called i'm dangerous tonight directed by toby hooper um incredibly anthony perkins is one of the stars in it um and the plot (laughs) let me know if this rings a bell with you it's called i'm dangerous tonight and the plot is described thus when amy turns an ancient aztec priest's cloak into a dress oh my god she discovers it's cursed and whoever wears it comes under its evil influence. What? What the fuck? The f- <laughs> Are, did you find the origins <laughs> of a hunger episode? <laughs> what the hell? Well, it's actually, now I don't see where I put this up, but it's actually based on, I don't know if it's based on a short story or um, a novel. But so perhaps that's where Maybe they got that's where why. both places sourced yeah. it. But possibly. If the listener is yeah. confused, we did an episode of Chain Reaction. Yes. The Hunger of the Series. Did an episode called <laughs> I'm Dangerous Tonight about an evil dress that takes over and possesses people and makes people kill each other in Paris. In Paris. And they mm-hmm. fall out of buildings and land in that way where you if you if you land that way, you're dead. With your knee, yeah. <laughs> with your leg bent up to the side. <laughs> right. 
the classical i i fell out of a building and i'm dead now <laughs> ellen is that your pick or was that just like a, uh, an anomalous thing that we that we had to know about because we absolutely did <laughs> i mean <laughs> that i couldn't figure out how we would be able to see it so my pick is actually i don't know why i mean this moment where i have to see everything in order to speak <laughs> i I'm going with Rust Hamlin because I love Rust Hamlin. Mm. Eric, can you guess where I'm going to go from there? Um, no, actually. Oh, <sighs> hang on. I want <laughs> to say, say it <laughs> with with the. <sighs> it's the it's the haunting. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Haunting. 1963 spooky classic. Okay. That is a spooky classic. Mm-hmm. Huh. 1963? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is something I've never seen before. Is it, uh, is that... No, it's not. Never mind. Who are um, we? Who are we following? Uh, Dr. Jacoby. Dr. Jacoby. Dr. Jacoby. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, but it's based on a story by Shirley Jackson, who, of course, I love, mm. and directed by Robert Wise, who I also love. Robert okay. Wise. Fuck. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that's a an amazing pick. Uh, what's your link? I had to. I I pared it down to two from three. Hmm. Mm. And this is tough because one of them is a link that I've already picked. Oh. But as we all know, yeah. none of my picks have been picked. Oh, I know, I know what it is. So it's hard because one of them is, is something I've already picked and then the other one is something that I haven't picked but I also love. Okay. Is um, it Believers? Mark Frost, the co-creator <laughs> of Twin Peaks, wrote the screenplay The Believers, which mm. is uh really good spooky well good uh it's a it's a spooky <laughs> voodoo movie it's, yeah voodoo it's a voodoo, urban voodoo movie urban okay. voodoo movie um and then Believers. hank jennings uh chris mulkey is in the movie jack's back which uh is a <gasps> neo-noir la uh thriller that's that's got a uh supernatural psychic element to it okay huh i'm gonna pick jack's back because i haven't picked it yet so my <laughs> link is chris mulkey in jack's back chris mulkey yep who, who was he in he was hank jennings hank jennings okay okay i had a hard time finding a spooky link from twin peaks which is was shocking to me i don't know <laughs> oh. i had a, like kind of a difficult time but i did a lot of IMDb-ing, and I finally came out with a movie that I had forgotten about until I saw it on IMDb, and it was following Lucy, Kimmy Robertson, Ooh. to The Willies, the starring Willies. Sean Astin. <laughs> have you seen, have you heard or seen of this, seen this movie? The name of that is really mm -hmm. familiar. It's 1990. 
Uh, the premise is a harmless backyard campout becomes an unforgettable night of chills and thrills for three young boys as they share their favorite scary stories. Ooh, this anthology. traumatized me as a kid. I I don't remember why. No. I don't remember what scene, but I was so scared of it. It mm. goes there, I think, and it and just the premise is so cool that it's just like these three kids telling scary stories in their camp in their backyard campout. I love those. I, I love an anthology. As much as I want it to choose Eric because he hasn't been chosen yet, I'm I would be I'm gonna watch this either way because personally I hope I'm not chosen because <laughs> so you get to control I know, the whole then season. you get your season then yeah. I get my own yeah. season <laughs> that's what we all agreed on I I really enjoyed like combing through all of the potential links because it's so funny some of the you know there's there's just mountains of of course non-spooky season eligible links yes but yeah. also just amazing to see it's like wow so many people were on moonlighting i did Everyone pass was up on an opportunity yeah i did pass up an opportunity to um go back to cabot cove oh um with an episode that included a psychic yeah i almost um, brought us ooh. back to x-files i almost went yeah. from uh joan for Chen. Joan Chen for Tales of the Crypts for a psychic episode. There yeah. were a bunch of Tales of the Crypts. Yep. Yes. And then yeah. I, had, I just a... read that comic too. I I uh I nixed one of my choices because I didn't think it qualified as spooky. Was Which it one? Teen Witch? Because I also nixed Teen Witch. No, it was the oh. hidden starring uh, oh, yeah. Proto Agent Dale Cooper. Uh, <laughs> Kyle mm. McLaughlin as an FBI agent who is weird mm. and knows everything. Cool. Uh, the Hidden is an amazing movie and everyone should watch it. The Hidden. Kyle McLaughlin has a really crazy episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yes, he does. Is yeah, Teen, Teen Witch really though? Is I don't really give a about that. <laughs> top that. Top so top yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, not spooky. Much like no. the Worst Witch, it's not spooky, but just delightfully but kind like of Halloweeny. Halloweeny. It's Halloweeny. This also mm-hmm. is our Halloweeny episode because Halloween is like in four days i know i know all right you guys are having a party blowing out tomorrow night yeah what's up with the punch i i figured out a punch it sounds deadly Ooh. so i'm kind of like i'm you're dangerous tonight i am dangerous well i'm dangerous tomorrow night (laughs) i'm dangerous tomorrow night i'm dangerous tomorrow (laughs) i'm dangerous this weekend (laughs) all right let's find out spin the wheel we're spinning the wheel memnock here it is It's Eric. Oh my god! Oh, your season canceled. My season has been canceled. I can't believe. Please accept the consolation prize. Consolation prize is that we get to watch Jack's back. Jack's back. I'm very excited to watch. Fun. Jack's back from 1988, starring James Spader. James Spader. This is available on Crackle, on Freebie, on Plex, on Pluto. It's literally any place that streams movies it's there it's on Tubi. it's on roku do they have the vhs at whammy video or idiots in la very likely have the vhs we should just do that um but uh yeah i'm down to do that i'm down to do that it might be an expensive vhs oh shit um but listener i hope you will watch jack's back with us and uh join in on the conversation on it and if you have anything to say about twin peaks like what do you think of i'm curious (laughs) what our audience uh, what the cross section with Twin Peaks is? If there's any any folks that are like digging Twin Peaks that also are 
heart to hearters. Um, I have so much more to say about Twin Peaks. Like, I feel this episode is crazy. You may get your chance. Well, it's just this episode of this pod of doing podcasting in general feels so different because there's just so much more to talk about. It, it's just like a weird. It's it's difficult. <laughs> it is. We have well, like th- we have three people who are all very opinionated. Yeah. And like to talk about our opinions. <laughs> so we could go on for another two hours. Let's do it. Okay. Um, but Starting I in. am tired and, <laughs> and I don't want well, to. As, as Coop says, I, it's time for some quality sack time. <laughs> time for some quality sack 100%. Time. But listener, uh, please talk to us. You are not bound by our uh, sack times. Uh, please, <laughs> <laughs> please write to us at itwasmurderpod at gmail.com. Follow us and talk to us at Instagram at it was murder pod. Uh, also X slash Twitter at it was murder pod. Um, rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. If you, uh, if you like us, just give us five stars and say like any random word, say, say Garmin Bosia and give, give us five Garmin stars. It'd be amazing. Um, other than that, do we have any plugs <laughs> other than that? Oh, no. Um, but I feel like if our listener wants to actually tell us which Twin Peaks characters we, tr- we really are, <laughs> yeah, feel amazing. free. Yeah. I feel like uh, I'm Andy. Uh, what? Or Lucy. <laughs> That's just how what? I feel. Oh. I feel like you're Bob. Oh, I don't think you feel that way. <laughs> or Bobby. Much, I laugh. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually Major Briggs. Uh, so, <laughs> listener, uh, I love thank Major you. Briggs. Major you Briggs is the best. Major Briggs. Thank you so much uh, for listening to us. I hope you've made it this whole two hours. There's so much more to uh, say. There is so much more to say, and you can say it to us in any of the avenues that I've already mentioned. And until then... Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. You have to reverse this. Go free, why? <laughs> it's going too far. <laughs> Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway.